And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 65 of PNR, This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, February 9th, 2015. Well, folks, you got to leave it to Kanye to leave us wondering whether he's serious or not. Of course, the Grammy Awards were last night. That's right, the yearly get-together of all the new, upcoming, and truly independent music artists who have put out albums and are trying to get airtime in a... I'm, I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, I'm being told by our crack team of experts that that's wrong. That actually the Grammys are just, in fact, a big three-hour commercial for the record company's biggest acts in music. No independents need apply. All right. Well, as Kanye himself would say, if they want real artists, they need to stop playing with us. And if you'd like to stop playing with them, come on over and play with us. Joe and I are going to, we're going to let you finish. (laughs) But we want to first tell you about all the awesome content marketing news that happened this week. And if you respect our artistry and think we deserve a Grammy, leave us a review on iTunes, won't you? Just go on over to iTunes and let us know what you think about our little show and all the news or just anything that's on your mind. All right, let's get this week's awesome show underway. And of course, I'm happy to introduce my partner, my colleague, my good, good friend, the guy who's always going to let you finish your content marketing acceptance speech, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, Joe? Did you see the Grammys last Uh, night? I saw a couple parts of it. I saw, of course, the end of the... Madonna presentation. I had to look twice because I <laughs> didn't know that was Madonna or not. Wow, I don't know what happened there. But uh, yeah, who, right. whoever she's working with uh, just got a lot of money. And um, there you go. Oh dear! I'll tell you what. Rare. Wow. No, I got nothing against it. No hating here. I'm just saying. Rare I just had to from do Joe Polizzi. I think she's fantastic. <laughs> you talking about? At, discount <laughs> <laughs> I love Annie okay. Lennox. Absolutely. Oh, she was amazing. Loved it. Oh, she blew it out of the house. Oh, wow. I mean... She was so good. I, I mean, it's Annie Lennox. Come I on. I know, but her pipes are as... I mean, she sounds as good as she's ever sounded. She yeah. just took over that stage, man. Yeah. She's 60 years old, man. I mean, that's... that's You know, it's, it's Well, as amazing. soon as she came out, then Hozier just kind of went into the back and faded away, and then it was just Annie Lennox. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Although That's right. I do like that Hozier song. Uh, I do, too. I was too. looking around I for LeBron too. James. I mean, how come he wasn't there? I mean, didn't... Is that, is that like a well, thing? Did you, it... That's how the song was released. So the, the when LeBron James first did his uh, commercial and coming back with the Cavaliers and then he re-released with Beats, that was the, the Take Me to Church song was the song that was uh, in the commercial. Oh, okay. And that's how the song right. hit popularity through... So it's, well, it's again, it's because of LeBron. Basically, the because the, the, well, it, the, everything comes back to of Cleveland, course. really. When you thought, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> right when we have, of course, and, it and does. we do have some news to announce. With well, speaking of Cleveland, holy smokes, the big news! Yes, uh, did you want to say it? Because no, well, no, you okay. say. Well, it. we you were, yeah, it. Did, we just announced today that uh, Mr. John Cleese will be presenting at Content Marketing World in September. This. Is a dead parrot. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, we are. So, oh, we've been working good. on it's this on. for so long, and uh, we've had to keep our mouths closed about it. And finally, we're able to talk about it. So, just super excited about having him there, and it's going to be tremendous. 
all my faulty towers is lined up, but uh, I, I can't even tell you how excited. This is bucket list time for me. I am the biggest John Cleese fan. Well, ever. no, you know, you and I have talked yeah. about it, but I talked about it with the team who are you know not as as avid John Cleese fans as, as like yourself would be, and they didn't get it as much. And we were, you know, they were a little bit unsure what the reaction would be today. Oh my goodness, the reaction is just off the charts. Oh, it's huge. Well, his, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, there's of course Faulty Towers and Monty Python and Fish Called Wanda, and I can go on and on. But just the work that he does, the books that he's written. I mean, his lecture on creativity—I still use it in the workshop. His lecture on creativity is bar none one of the best lectures uh, on how to be creative that's out. It's just a fantastic lecture. Well, it's and I, I need to tell you that you are the reason why he's speaking at Content Marketing World because I first got the idea from your presentation when I because you put that little John Cleese bit into your uh, masterclass presentation, and I saw that, and I said, wow, wouldn't that be a great speaker? And here we are. So uh, thank you, sir. Well done. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> that, now, now, not that I wasn't looking already forward to September in Cleveland, but now it is doubly so. Game on. All right. Shall we Let's to the news it. then? All right. Well, we have a very quick one just to top off the news here. Just we wanted to wish our uh, best wishes and congratulations. Our friends at Taboola have, uh, you know, daddy came through with the credit card. Here we go. They raised $117 million. Money, 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 money. Boy, no kidding. And the you know new venture capital, um, basically putting them head-to-head now in terms of both money raising as well as competition with their friends at Outbrain. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, $117 million. I have to say, I wasn't shocked that the deal happened. I, I was a little bit taken aback by the money. That, that's a good chunk of change. And, uh, and of course... We uh, we would like to be in line for some of that. <laughs> of course, yeah. If there's not a sponsorship of this old marketing coming down the road from Taboola, then there's going to be. We would like to, to see people. a larger presence at Content Marketing World next year. <laughs> exactly. No, really, in all seriousness. <laughs> no, congratulations <laughs> to them. It's and and it goes Absolutely. along with what we've been saying all along. I mean, this is going to be a huge year for. Huge for VC and, and money and, and the content marketing tools and technology space. And, and here we go again. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our uh, news that we want to talk about here. The first article comes to us courtesy of Wired. And this is something that isn't necessarily about content marketing, but is something that we've talked about on the show at great length, um, certainly last year when this started to really become uh, front and center. And this comes to us courtesy of Wired.com. And the headline is FCC, Federal Communications, um, says this is how we are going to ensure net neutrality. So big, dramatic music folks here, after more than a decade of debate and record-setting proceedings, four million public comments, Basically, the FCC has now proposed new rules to preserve the Internet as an open platform for innovation, free expression, and basically in keeping up the regulatory principles that really sort of ensure net neutrality. So what say you, Joe Polizzi? Well, obviously, this is this is much better than, than the other way around. Yeah, exactly, uh, and, right? And then just to make sure everybody's clear on what this means, this means that uh, if this goes through, it will ban any kind of paid prioritization 
that's and, right. And you know, there's no blocking of, of services from anyone else. It's all needs to be equal, all all equal playing field. I guess my all bits yeah, are equal. exactly. I guess my my question is, and I guess I take sort of Rupert Murdoch's stance on at least this one thing. I do take a stance on uh, where he just wanted the conversation to go on and on and nothing to happen. Um, and hope, hopefully everything would just continue as it was equal. But it seems like maybe the uh, the telecom providers were just getting too close to making some of these changes and, and something had to be done. Is that kind of what you were Well, they've made them. They've made them. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, 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 you know, there are plenty of graphs out there, you know, that are showing that, that this is not, that, that, is, that, that is not an equal playing field. Absolutely, that the 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 that bandwidth shaping and all traffic shaping based on type of content and provider of content that it is going on right now. I mean, you can, I mean, you saw there's a wonderful graph. I don't know their source for it, but I've seen it around the internet where they show where Netflix basically showed their you know what the what their traffic rate was, and then slowly, slowly, slowly going down, going down, going down, and then they paid basically the the ransom to Comcast or one of the other, you know, telecommunications providers and all of a sudden the of the, everything opened You're right, up. Right, I again. forgot about that. Wow. So, is you know, so it's already so what, happening. Yeah, so what's going to so happen I, here? Is this have to go like what does this mean? Is it does it take immediately into effect? Well, not, yeah, it, I mean to your to your point, nothing has happened yet. They've just proposed the new guidelines. They actually have to vote and make it, you know, and it actually ultimately has to become law if it's going to actually have any teeth to it at all. But usually what the FCC proposes is is, is going to come, you know, it's very rare for Congress to actually go against something that the FCC would actually propose as law. So it's, you know, they'll come out with the guidelines, which will have some basis in you know, some teeth, not a lot of teeth, but then it's got to go and it actually has to, you know, it actually has to become a law if it's going to, if it's going to go forward uh, at all. All I'm getting, all I'm thinking about are those old songs when the bill has to become a bill on the hill. What's the, <laughs> <laughs> all right. the schoolhouse racks. That's oh, all I was I'm thinking about there. So is there, I'm only so you're, a bill. you're very, you've been very close to this issue. Is this all, you know, hundred percent? Yes. It's great. No. It's not a hundred percent yes, and because um, you know, just look at our Congress. No, I mean from your um, standpoint, and, is this and, a good you know, thing? It's a okay. great thing. It's a it's a great thing. It you know what it what it says is to me is is that they actually listened, right? That it wasn't just the big telecommunications providers who had plenty of lobbyists sort of rooting for the other way, um, and spent plenty of money on advertising and and trying to persuade everybody that the other way was right and they actually did listen and they actually did i you know obviously i i have a a bias in this issue but but i believe decided the absolute right thing which was to keep the regulatory principles in place look at internet like the rest of telecommunications has been looked at and provide for some level of free and open and unfettered access to the internet which is you know, really, really, just what you know, what should be right. Well, good. So That's a big. It, deal. It's a great it's a big thing. deal. Then, yeah, good. It absolutely good is. All right, our next story comes to us from marketingcharts.com uh, and references a couple of studies uh, done by the Economist Group and Peppercom. And the headline is, Almost one in three B2B marketers say their content is too company-focused. Shocking. There's also gambling going on at the casino, <laughs> I hear. Um, the biggest way, apparently, from this story is which B2B content fails to change business executives' perception is by too closely resembling a sales pitch. And this is all according to that study released uh, just at the end of 
of last year by the Economist Group and Peppercom, the PR uh, agency there. And a sizable portion of B2B marketers might be falling into that trap. Um, and uh, this is from a result from Corporate Visions, um, a new survey. And this survey asked more than 500 B2B marketers and salespeople if their company's marketing campaigns and sales content is more customer-centric or company-centric. And a plurality, 41% of those respondents, indicated that their campaigns contain an even mix of both. Slightly more respondents said that they focus on their own company story, the inside out, 32%. And only 27% said they focus on their actual customer's story. So is, this, is there anything new here, or is this really what we've kind of known in our heart of hearts, that B2B marketers are not terribly adept at creating customer-centric content? Well... Yeah, there's nothing new here, but I I do have a strong suspicion here that that 32% of ones that say they're focusing on their own story, that's way too low. There's <laughs> exactly. no way. You and I know that when <laughs> yeah. we go in and we look at just doing, you know, basic discovery and audits that 90% I brush my teeth, mom. I swear 90% I did. of the content is about their product services, features, benefits. Right. So don't don't even right. start on this whole <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> or oh, right. we're doing an even mix of both. Forget it. Now, oh. I, I'm Oh, did you mean the product? Oh, you meant I'm talking about the. Pro- oh, I thought you just meant the company. No, we're not talking about. We talk about the product all the time. Yeah. The, so, but the I think company. that. I mean, I I don't have any reason to believe. I mean, I love the folks at Corporate Visions do a great job. I have no reason to. Yes, to, they do. To say that this these numbers are wrong, but I think that the the way that they filled these this out is incorrect. If they really took an no, honest right. look at their content, they'll see that almost all of it is about themselves. That's right. That's so, right. I, so it's a good. <laughs> it's like asking. It's like asking me how many glasses of wine I have every night. Yeah, let's not <laughs> even that get is. into that. Would you, yeah, oh, would would you like the right answer, or would you like the answer that I tell? So, but night? I think it's a useful <laughs> it's a useful survey to say that we've still got it a long way to go. Is. Yeah, a long way and, to go. Uh, and I think that yeah, but it's interesting. They say they talked to five hundred B two B marketers and salespeople. And if you talk to the salespeople, they'll say that we're definitely not talking about our products and services enough. So really, it's you've yes. got an interesting mix there. If the the sales, you always the salespeople always want more. Always, hey, we need to talk more about the product and service. Always, always, That's right. always. We got some some that don't, but most always. Yeah, and if we could just have it so that you know, I can give this to a better lead, then that would. Be and can really I have great. a PDF on that? That's what yeah. I really need. I need another <laughs> I, PDF. I need one with a different hero image because this one isn't right. <laughs> this headline doesn't quite resonate. All right, moving on to our next story. Um, this one is really interesting, actually. Um, this is the headline here is how five major publishers plan to use Snapchat's new channels. We talked a little bit about Snapchat's new Discover platform last week and how this new series that's getting created by uh, the kids of Steven Spielberg are actually going to launch a new original content on this. And the Snapchat Discover um, is basically Snapchat's way of saying, here, you can go on and discover some wonderful new content. And now publishers have a way to tease their content. So it's almost a little bit like brand pages a little bit, but it's through this Discover platform. You can tease out your content through social media, um, and you can directly, then for marketers and 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 those that, that might be interested in marketing, you can directly sponsor stories on the platform, getting your names, of course, in front of those wonderful younger audiences that are using Snapchat. 
And this article talks through, um, and I want to get your take on this, Joe. They spoke to five publishers to get more details about how, you know, what they can expect to get out of this channel. What did you think about the five suggestions? What it's so interesting, and and of course we're we're both big fans of uh, Andrew Davis, and he talks about yeah. appointment television all the time, and he says that you know if you are going to be a content marketer and create content, you have to set it so that it's consistent and people look forward to it at a certain time, and it's con- and around that consistency is important. That's exactly what this is because each one, whether it's the Daily Mail or Vice or Cosmo, they're all doing it at very particular times. Like Cosmo's doing theirs 8 a.m. daily. Uh, Vice, it looks like they're doing it at particular times throughout the day depending on the verticals. Uh, what's the 3 p.m.? Daily Mail's doing theirs at 3 p.m. So it's just interesting, and they're really – I mean, I, I guess they're properly curating the content to make sure, okay, what's going to fit? They're, they're taking it from current content, but they're really trying to figure out what's going to make the most sense for these particular audiences that we're targeting at that particular time. And then, I, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. If you really want it, you're, you're going to have to get it at that certain time or it's gone, right? Correct. Yeah. I think that I think that's really – I mean, that's the fascinating thing to me is that we're not – the the experiment here, which is just really interesting, is sort of looking beyond the sort of classic reach and frequency thing that we are so so ingrained to to think about, right? So, you know, our our classic sort of marketing lizard brains says we've got to put a piece of content out and it's got to get found and so it's got to be out there long enough for it to be found and once it's found then it ultimately can stay out there because long tail and somebody will find it someday down the road and you know we may forget about it or whatever and this is the exact opposite of that right this is we have to have content that's not only so good that people are going to actually engage with it but so good that they're going to want to come back and engage with it at a specific time and only for a very limited amount of time. And it's really a different behavioral sort of, you know, uh, training is not the right word, but it's really anticipating a different behavior in the way that young people in this case, but basically the people that we're trying to reach are going to engage with content and ha- for how long they're going to engage. Well, with it, it goes I against think. everything that we've been doing with, okay, we're going to create exactly. a piece of content and then we want to make sure that it's uh, it's search engine optimized in a particular way and what's our headline going to be and then how are we going to share that socially? None of that is is part of this plan. It's all completely right. separate. So. It's it's incredible. Can I ju- can I just do a sidebar for a second? I don't know why I thought about sure. this. But it has something. I'll get back to the point here. In the Grammys yesterday, they weren't. You saw it at a different time, right? They didn't come on. They, like they were oh, delayed on the West Coast. On a rant about oh, you get me off on a rant well, about this. Yes, this. Well, I mean, I'm just have to say because because uh, we're talking about releasing something at the same time to everyone, yeah. and I think that. Where did the Grammys miss out that all this and, – and I guess where it really really hit me was I was looking at the, my Facebook stream, the news feed, and it, people were talking about the Grammys. And then all these West Coast people were saying, I can't believe I can't watch it and i got to wait a couple hours till this thing comes on. What? That totally defeats the and purpose by the of way, the conversation going on. Why do they do exactly. that? And all, the go- and all the good jokes were already taken by the time they came around. So I'm like looking through going, oh, I got something really funny to say about Kanye. And then I'm going, oh, it's already been said because Jason Falls already said it. So, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, I had this, I had a discussion with um, uh, Jason Miller actually from LinkedIn uh, on on Facebook about this very thing where, you know, I made a joke at the top of the show about, 
you know, the Grammys and sort of being a three hour commercial for major record labels, which is, you know, I mean, living here in Hollywood, the Grammys are so unconnected with, you know, or so connected, I should say, to sort of the institutional thing that is the record industry and how antiquated and anachronistic that that industry really is and doesn't understand social media and doesn't really understand the idea of what it really what's really going on from a you know from a technology disruption it's just this the idea you know it's not like it can't be figured out the emmys figure it out the oscars have figured it out they can do simulcast And if you want to have a conversation and you want to be part of the social media experience, you've got to do that because what you've done is you've just disenchanted the entire West Coast. By the way, which is somebody who really, really wants to talk about the Grammys and have that experience and share it with, you know, this is the whole idea of what live events are And I would assume that you are less likely to communicate anything about it at totally 11 o'clock your time. I mean, I made a joke about it. I made a joke about it. Exactly. Right. And, you know, who am I talking to? Right. I mean, if I if I make some snarky comment about what, you know, so and so is wearing or about Madonna or whatever, nobody's listening. You're all in bed. And and, you know, it's it's it it totally loses the excitement of participating in the actual live event. Um, It's just it's, it's really a shame that they that they feel like that they had to do that. And and I guess they do it because the the Grammys tend to be a little more risque or whatever, and so they're trying to protect you know, but whatever. That's, but that's a silly that's yeah. a silly silly thing. So I don't yeah Absolutely. I didn't mean to get you off on a rant, but apparently no I, I did. So I have to pat myself <laughs> on the back for that. Uh, but yeah, so back back to this. I think that this I'm fascinated by these Snapchat experiments. I'm just really because I just they're just so different from any other social media going on right now. So. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and and to me, it was, you know, when when Snapchat first came out, I tried it. I, you know, I, I tried it, and I did some Snapchatting with my niece and all that kind of stuff, and don't really get it, and and doesn't really resonate with me. But that doesn't matter. Certainly, it doesn't matter that I don't get it, but they get it and they love it. My my nieces and 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 all of her friends, that's how they communicate. And I struggled to figure out how I was like racking my brain, like how are content providers or how is marketing really going to take advantage of this platform? And here it, it is, is, right? It's appointment, I mean, it's, you know, it's appointment I mean, television it's, right here. It's just, I, I just, it's think just like, yeah, if you want to watch Archie or not, Bunker, but it's cool. you needed to be there in front of the television or, and that was it. And this it's we're just exactly going back right. and it's so it's interesting. They're getting their version of what we had to go through. <laughs> When we wanted to see it, we had to see it live, or it was done. Exactly, and and now, but it's but now the appointment television isn't an hour or thirty minutes long; it's five minutes long, right? It's you know, it's two minutes long, and it goes away. You can't even share it. I mean, it's basically go if you if you didn't see it, you missed it, and that is that's a really it's interesting that's to see a how really the interesting opportunity because of that because they want to say, oh, we've got to see it, we can't, yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, on to our next story. And it comes to us courtesy of marketingmagazine.co.uk, which we have talked about on the show before. Good online site for a resource. Um, And it is all about our friends at the IAB. Um, And this is our first message, uh, our first instance of the show that we're talking about native advertising. So ding, 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 drink up, everybody. And the headline is the IAB publishes native ad guidelines. 
But it's really only for the UK. So uh, the IAB has published its first guidelines for native advertising, stating that they have to have clear branding to show that they are not pure editorial. And the guidelines put native ads firmly in the same category as advertorials. I'm not sure that they were ever out of the same category as advertorials, but they're designed to help consumers distinguish between editorial and paid content. And so what say you, Joe? I mean, is this – I mean, why the UK and why now and does this really mean – Well, I mean the, the – I so and, – and you and I have both been involved in the IAB here in, in North America and they have their guidelines um, but didn't really come out this big. I'm wondering if there's – I don't know what the difference is between these and what the ones in – you know, what the IAB um, in the US is doing. But I mean I, it's all the same stuff, right? Provide prominently visible – visual cues to show pieces are native ads and not editorial pieces. It's the same stuff. They're self-policing themselves and on behalf of their members, which I think is the way to do it because we don't want to get government intervention coming in here at all. Um, so I yeah. like what's going on. I like to see this continuing to so that advertisers specifically have a clear understanding of what they can and can't do. And I mean, but I think that you and I were pretty much in lockstep on the fact that if you're going to do native advertising, stand out as much as you can so that it doesn't necessarily fit in as a regular piece of content and and work your best to steal advertising or steal steal audience as as much as you can. So I don't know if this is new news. I just think it's interesting that, okay, now they have this coming over here for the UK. And I guess you and I are going to have to check back with uh, our friends at IAB and see if there's anything significant because they're doing their their big events going on right now, correct? I mean, there's... Yeah, it's it's in Phoenix, and and I, it was funny. I was talking with someone today at the event. We were talking about something entirely different. We were having a conference call, and this person happened to be at the conference in Phoenix, and was talking about. And I said, "Have they made? Has there been any announcement?" And he said, "I haven't heard anything." And so, I mean, I found this by simply going to Google News and checking the alerts, and it said, you know. They've they've done this now, and and I thought it odd that it was only UK focused newspapers that were uh, that were talking about this. And then I read one that where it says, "Hey, this is really only for the UK." I mean, one I wonder if they're testing it here to see, you know, t- or testing it rather in the UK to see how it uh, how it actually goes before actually trying to roll out something similar. It, you here. know, it would it would make sense in a lot of ways to have the UK lead this because traditionally most people don't realize this but traditionally and when you look at content marketing initiatives, UK was the leader for for at least in print for years and years and years. I mean, it, seven out of the top 10 newsstand publications were corporate publications and it still is very popular today it's just when we went to digital that was when sort of the u.s took a leadership role from a digital custom content standpoint i did not did know, I know that. that i'm full I, of all kinds I of learned useless something, i learned something new today that's fast i actually didn't know that that's Absolutely, really fascinating yeah so uh our friends in the uk and europe i mean they've got a rich rich history of uh, of content marketing of course in in the in europe it depends on which parts of Europe you're looking at because it used to be called, of course, custom publishing in the States. Uh, customer publishing, customer media is popular. Customer media was always the term in the Netherlands. Um, so that was and, – and, of course, the, the Content Marketing Association that is in London now was originally called the Association of Publishing Agencies, which they right. you know renamed – I don't know how they came up with Content Marketing Association, but hey – 
<laughs> no, no, all love to them. We love them. We love them. They're they're great. But I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad they took on the the name. We're all sort of speaking the same language now. But that was one of the biggest issues because we were all using different terminology five years ago, and now everyone's using the same terminology, which really helps. But yeah, UK was always the leader. And uh, and then when I would say probably in the you know in oh six oh seven oh eight that's when the U S really started to go forward with this whole digital custom content or corporate media initiative and uh, and a lot of people forget that that UK led the way for a long long time. That is well there you go there you go folks there's your history lesson. <laughs> I should have saved it for, for this old marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's a good move. Uh, it, it looks like the uh, at the end of this the article that you presented additional set of IAB guidelines on native That's ads right. is expected to be published in Q two, so we'll see some yeah. more on this. So more to come and more drinks to to be had by all. So there you go. There it is. There you go. All right, our last story, um, and we have just oh we're this, this is we're on show. a roll, man. We, we are can get rip, five we and six more stories in this one. Let's just go. <laughs> our last story. Um, LinkedIn beats Twitter for content marketing, says study. Uh, and apparently, according to this study by some group called the Content Marketing Institute, I think their name is CMI, I guess. I mean, what a silly name that is. Anyway, so LinkedIn is leapfrog. Twitter is the number one social network for content marketing, reveals this new study. Um, this was done in December uh, from ourselves, our lovely people at uh, CMI, and of course, the Direct Marketing Association, also in the UK, uh, ironically enough. And they found that 96% of respondents use LinkedIn for content marketing compared to only 85% um, in, uh, this was in 2013. Um, and then basically they said that Twitter finished second in the poll with 89% using the platform, which was the same number as the previous year. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you, I mean, obviously we did this study and we had something to do with it, but, uh, is there any, anything meaningful here to take away from LinkedIn's, uh, sort of leapfrogging Twitter as the number one content marketing well, I, platform? I think the one thing that's, that's true is that we know that the, uh, publishing on LinkedIn has just skyrocketed since they launched their open publishing platform and they moved it from the influencer based over to uh, everyone can publish on it. And I think that brands yeah. are taking that to heart, which is why everyone that we talked to from that standpoint was saying, yes, check the box. We're using LinkedIn. It was a little bit of a surprise. That's a super high number. Uh, and what's going on there and then working with the DMA UK on that one. So, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say. I get a little concerned. There's two concerns that I have. I'm fine. I mean, I love the folks at LinkedIn. I do have a concern that a lot of people are using LinkedIn as their blog and they're using social as their core owned asset or they thinking yeah, instead of right. their owned asset. So that's a problem. And the other problem that I have with it is that I think they've got to do something about LinkedIn's newsfeed. Uh, because if it's when you go like on the, when I'm on a mobile device and I look at all the updates that I have, it's out of control. I can't even make yeah. sense of all the people that I'm connected to or I'm getting all their updates. I, I don't know how to manage that. Like I can manage Facebook, which does a lot of that managing for me and Twitter. And I manage that through certain hashtags. I'm having a, tr I'm having trouble cutting through that clutter on LinkedIn. And I think Unless maybe you know a way to do it and I haven't figured it out, I'm having trouble. And I think that that's going to, to, to go wrong at some point. And you're gonna, I think you're going to lose engagement on that platform. I don't know if you have a take I think on you're, it. Well, 
No, I do have a take on that. And, and, and it's funny because I was going to start out by comment by saying one of the things that I've done, I mean, one of my sort of resolutions for the year was to actually start more regularly posting on LinkedIn and the blog and, and sort of, you know, posting up a short note. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, and, it, and it's something that I wanted to start doing more regularly. So now I've sort of committed myself to once per week. Um, actually putting something out there. And I get a lot of, way more engagement than I ever did on my own blog. Oh, on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. Yes. On LinkedIn. Way more comments, more views, more, more just general engagement on those, on those posts. And so rather than start my own blog again, um, I think it's a great place for me to just go and put my, you know, whatever rambling thought I might have for the week on there. So that's been great. Now, having said that, to your point, I'm not sure that LinkedIn ever really built the system for what happened with, you know, guys. I hate this because it sort of segments us off from the from like, but for lack of a better word, for guys like you and me who sort of have a lot of LinkedIn connections, right? So if you look at the average number of LinkedIn connections for any sort of general purpose business, you know, you're talking a couple of hundred to 300 at most, yeah. right? And, you know, I mean, I have, I'm, I have somewhere upwards of 2,500 now, and I'm sure you've got, you know, with- I have 2,499. You know, uh, it's definitely less go. than you. <laughs> oh no, that's not even true. That's not even true for a little bit. Don't believe him, folks. Don't believe him. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't think that. So to your point, I think they're going to have to play catch up with with those. With you know, I think we're the outliers in that, and I think most people don't have the challenge of managing the stuff. They don't see the same screens that you and I do with nine jillion well, you know posts. Well, from the problem, yeah, and the and problem is, is it, it? I don't. I'm not as apt to go to the news feed because I just can't make right. sense of it. It's just right. It's just there's nothing. So, yeah, I just, do promote. It's, too, it's overwhelming. I do promote. I'll put, yeah. I'll put, hey, here's the CMI post today. I went there and I said, you know, hey, John Cleese, this is awesome. Uh, but, other, you know, other than that, I've been keeping it pretty low key over there. So, anyway. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. All right. Well, speaking of fascinating, we have a new sponsor. Oh, this do we week. have music for this? Is that Price's right music? What is Yeah, it's sort of it sort of opened up that way, didn't it? Really, really super excited to welcome a new, of course, a longtime sponsor of Content Marketing Institute, but a new sponsor for PNR the Soul Marketing, Marketo. And Marketo is has a great offer, and I love this because we worked with the folks at Marketo quite a bit over this, and they because they were really they really wanted to to offer a piece of content that you all would would want to actually get instead of just saying oh sign up for this or that they have something to get that I've got to say is is one of the best things we've offered here. So they have this content marketing tactical plan, and it really is it's fantastic quite, a, quite robust. So basically, to accomplish your content marketing goals, Marketo's put together an interactive content marketing plan. It's a full workbook filled with things that you can figure out. How am I going to do my staffing? They've got uh, content architecture charts all ready to be filled in, uh, editorial calendar templates, uh, promotion objectives and tactics, key content metrics. I mean, this has got... I'm impressed, Robert. This has got a little bit of everything in it. So if you're thinking about... If you're trying to get started here, you got to take your current plan and really say, how am I going to build this out to something that's meaningful for my organization? 
you got to check this out. The Content Marketing Tactical Plan. You can download the whole thing at uh, bit.ly bit.ly slash PNR dash Marketo. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-O. PNR dash Marketo. Of course, it'll be in the show notes on Saturday. You can check that out. And uh, just super excited about the tactical plan. And of course, if you're at all interested, we want to support our sponsor in every way we possibly can so we can continue to bring this excellent banter that robert and i have back and forth <laughs> and uh, and thanks for uh, for marketo for being our our sponsor here and uh, i'm gonna let you finish joe but i have to talk about the artistry the artistry the artistry that we're missing out on <laughs> you didn't see you didn't see kanye go back okay okay well, just stop it. for it's, a second it's horrible what what yeah. happened I mean, give me the two-second version uh, of what happened. Well, with the two-the the two-second version is is that Beck got up to accept the uh, album of the year, which was a huge surprise um, because, of course, everybody thought it might go to Beyonce, and he is the underdog, right? So he got up and he, as he was standing there, Kanye leapt up on stage. Um, and everybody's like, oh, no, not again, where he's going to do the Taylor Swift thing and sort of hijack the whole thing and, and basically talk about why Beyonce was robbed. And then he smiled and sort of stepped up, and everybody thought it was a joke. And everybody's like, oh, that's, that's, that's funny, right? Kanye's doing something funny. He's actually, he pretended like he was going to go up and do it again, and then he didn't. Only after the show, they interviewed him, and Apparently he's totally serious and he just didn't do it because he thought it was going to be wrong or whatever but he just went off and told the world why Beck wasn't deserving of the award that Beck didn't respect Beyonce I mean he just he just went off and it was just it was Kanye being Kanye it was just it was just annoying What is he's got something wrong man it's something yeah, mental yeah, going on but yeah. Uh, he's definitely got something mental going on anyway well that brings us to our favorite part of the show our rants and rave section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on somebody like kanye who gets under our skin or somebody like uh i don't know taylor swift who can shake it off? <laughs> what? what the heck I'm saying? Uh, we've gone off the, the rails Grammy here. Episode you're is going, falling apart. Grammy, our yes, eyes. exactly. Uh, am I? I'm first, um, right? You're going first. Do, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you had this old mark. Yeah. You know, and and I was struggling. I have to be honest. I was struggling to get a rant or a rave. It's. I've been working on the new book. Uh, you know, we were talking about before the uh, podcast, and I'm just heads down into it, and just didn't have something. And lo and behold, our good friend Nad Senek from Slovenia, sends me an article, and I fell in love with it right away. Woohoo! So this is from Adweek uh, that just came out. Um, Publishers' agencies must shift their focus from big data to big content. And this is from Randall Rothenberg uh, at the IAB, correct? Yes. Yeah, And uh, got a hand – I mean, so we'll put this in the show notes, but what I loved about this article – and we're seeing it a lot, and we, you're seeing it with your clients, this real shift to simplicity and not so much focused on the tech and really focused on telling compelling stories because the whole idea, and you've seen this, and you know, we've seen it firsthand with with Craft in particular and Ju- what Julie's doing yeah. over at Craft is if you're going to get data and you're going to get the kind of analytics that can drive uh, what, whatever objectives you're trying to do, you have to have the content first. You really have to focus on what we're going to do to get the engagement, to get the kind of behaviors that we want. So it tells us something about the content. And I just love this article that just goes, 
on and on a little bit about how we've sort of uh, dropped the ball a little bit and had this so fo- such huge focus on big data. But as technology is sort of being ubiquitous now, uh, you know, we've got to focus on this content because everybody's going to have the same technology. We're going to have the same access to the same technology, just like, of course, what the, we talked about with um, Internet access and, uh, and FCC before. Um, the only thing that I would say about this, my only little bit of rant, is it goes on to say that SEO – I was trying to figure this out. I don't know if you had a take on this one, but we've, it says basically the, the article goes into this decade-long obsession with SEO and gaming the rankings and says that – um, you know, of course, we know that Google rewards authentic, engaging content, but it almost dismisses that SEO doesn't need to be done as much. And I totally disagree with that because you still need to take care of your content, present it in a way, look at the tagging, be really clear about your headlines and the URLs and, and those, and look at your linking strategies. And those things are still really, really critical. Yes, you, the content comes first. Always does, but you don't want to dismiss uh, SEO and, and the, the folks that do that work for you. But other than that, I just love – I don't know. Did you like the article? I did. I liked it very much. Um, you know, I mean, and, and from from the SEO side, I would say you're absolutely right um, on the SEO side. I, you know, I, I think what he's really speaking to is – and this is the part of SEO that I don't like – is that – so many brands, I've seen this firsthand where so many companies get so wrapped up around the axle of, you know, keyword yes. density and writing for the machine and getting the right, you know, format in the HTML and just the right uh, number of words. And they get so wrapped up in that that they forget how to make That's great content. Exactly true. Absolutely. And so, th- you know, so it's the, it's, you know, and that goes back to the data thing, which is, you know, as I've, ranted about forever, right? You know, data has never closed one deal ever in the history of all marketing. Um, the only thing data can do is help us be better. And so it, but better means better storytellers, better content creators, better marketers, and that's it. And that, you know, and that, and we get so wrapped up a lot in the, in the technology and the algorithm. We sometimes, you know, I mean, I opened, um, uh, a, a presentation with this idea of, you know, the, the famous Einstein quote, which is, you know, there's, you know, so much technology has removed us from our humanity. And it's, 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 it's true in many cases that we, we get lost in that. And you have, do you have, how many, you have like 16 rants and a couple raves. I mean, how many, how many do you have this week? <laughs> oh, I have oh, two. Okay. I have, I just have a very short, I have a very short, I, so where you were sort of um, looking at the paucity of rants and raves, I had a cornucopia <sighs> of rants and raves this week. Um, so kudos to me for getting the word paucity into the I'll podcast these days. There you go. All right. So I have a very short rant and a very short rave. Um, my rant this week um, at, you know, you of all people know that I am a fanboy of what Coca-Cola is yes. doing. Now, this doesn't have much to do with their sort of how much I'm a fanboy of what they're doing from a content marketing perspective. But uh, what they did was uh, – so Coca-Cola created a Twitter campaign. And you re- you may have remembered their uh, the campaign that they really started during the Super Bowl, which was the idea around make yes. it happy. Which was make the, make the internet basically a more happy place and make the world a more happy place. And so, as part of that, they started this social campaign, this social effort um, with uh, through Twitter. And the way it worked was with the hashtag "Make It Happy," you could tweet out anything you wanted, 
And what Coca-Cola would then do is they set up a bot to respond to you with an ASCII art rendition of something happy. And so the, and they would come back to you and tweet you back this picture and say, hey there, hopefully we made it happy for you, which was a really cute thing because it was pictures of a teddy bear or a sunshine or a cloud or a little dog or something like that. It was really very sweet. Well, somebody figured out, namely Gawker, the magazine Gawker figured this out and decided that it would be really funny if what they did was they created their own bot um, and basically started automatically tweeting out uh, uh, passages from Hitler's Mein Kampf um, with the hashtag. And, of course, the Coca-Cola bot dutifully then responded with Make It Happy and was making pictures oh, of man. clouds and sunshine and all this kind of stuff with you know lines from Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf. And we don't have to go into Mein Kampf. We know what it's about. We know that blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And the, here's my rant about this thing. First of all, Gawker, you suck. I mean that I mean just let's just I that just this is why we can't just, have nice that things. Was just me. Just that just was, just dumb. Ugh. And forget the irony of it, right? I mean forget the whole irony of the whole thing of what Coca-Cola is trying to do here. And yes, I know they're a big corporation and yes, I know it's marketing and yes, I know it's advertising and yes, I know there's an agenda behind it. But really, I mean this, you know, I mean to me there are I, I I'm so tired of sort of the the idea that that everything has this nefarious purpose, you know. And Coca Cola was doing a really fun and interesting and nice thing. It wasn't hurting anybody. It was just this thing that was out there, and the just going to to to, to take a crap on it because you can isn't funny. It's not a prank. It's just mean. It's just not nice. And it doesn't prove anything. Now, here's where I really rant. Here, and because fine, you want to be a bully, you want to go do the stuff. That great. You think it's funny. You think it's get you know standing up for you know against the big corporate whatever. The part that I have a problem with is then when they run an article with this sort of false indignation about how Coca Cola is is now tweeting out hate speech. And they sort of and their and their attitude in the articles. Yeah, we did it. We we're, we're the one who did it, but they're the ones tweeting out hate speech. It's like no, 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 no. That's not the way this works. And so that's the that's the part where I say Gawker, you doubly suck because that is just there's that's just crossing over the line into. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised they did that. I mean, I'm I'm surprised it's, somebody doesn't get fired for that at Gawker. Well, it's gone. Eh, I know. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, it's but anyway. So now I'm going to I'm going to top this off with a little bit of a rave here because I also uh, wanted to end on a positive note. This comes from the Grammys. It was a thematic from the Grammys, and I just have to give Target a big what what I mean a big ups on what they did during the Grammys. So if you didn't see this in the middle of the Grammys, all of a sudden there was this four minute concert from Imagine Dragons. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a concert. It's Imagine Dragons concert. They, they're playing, but it's not the Grammys. It's like, you know, it's like all produced and there's, it's very nice and the sound is great and it's from Las Vegas. And so what Target did was they bought eight 30-second spots for four minutes and basically let Imagine Dragons do a song. And no big overt branding other than the fact that they were standing on a giant 
thing that looked like a Target logo. <laughs> other, <laughs> than other than that, that nothing. there was no other than, <laughs> other than that, no no branding. And they created their own hashtag for it, which was hashtag More Music. And they just basically had this wonderful song. And I didn't see any of this, but apparently leading up to the Grammy broadcast, they had done a bunch of stuff on social, and they had sort of said, hey, here's this concert that we're going to be doing. And the idea is, is that it's all about the music performance, and we want to bring you even more music, that hence the hashtag, and we want to bring – and now – they're going to have another uh, campaign that goes beyond this that um, that they're going to use uh, uh, Twitter's uh, Flock to Unlock feature to actually share behind-the-scenes video from the live performance and all that kind of stuff. And then they're going to pull content from that piece that they did that actually uh, will start to uh, encompass the 30-second spots that they're going to run right when the album goes on sales and sort of align with the the band coming out with their new album. I just think it's great. It's a wonderful example of innovative native advertising in television without it even being native advertising. It's It was, quite frankly, better in some ways than the actual show. So it was seamlessly incorporated into the show but stood out. It actually made me want to watch it. It was just, is it I thought, a really great example. Is it getting positive remarks out there? I mean, is anybody commenting on this? Um, I have only seen – I have not seen the social sentiment around this. I have seen lots of um, – like the article I'm staring at right now is from Ad Age, and, and they're talking about it really in a, in a very positive way. I will be really interested to see how this goes over in the next, uh, in the next coming days to see if this is really considered a success. Yeah, just a, just a great thing. All right. Well, we have – now, time for this old mark. If we have another Grammy thing, this is like the Grammy is, of all Grammy did, shows. Did right? Kiss we ever win a, a Grammy? Oh, I'm sure. I don't think so. I, I cannot. Have, oh, come on now. I don't think they. I, I would. Can you I check would, it while I'm doing this? We I'm, should. Yeah, we should know I'm doing this. it right now. Yeah, I will so, do it. Go ahead and, and. Okay, so we. You know what? I have to tell you, Robert. We actually did some research on this. So first of all. Uh, kudos to Jeff Herman, our, our good friend over at Fathom, sends us an email like a lot of you do, uh, say and and says, "Hey, you've got to do this old marketing on uh, this Kiss magazine." So basically, uh, you know, Jeff was going on about he was in the Kiss Army in the early '80s, uh, and then went through the whole thing about this magazine. Show me a picture of the magazine. So this got to be a this old marketing example because they're really using it to create this relationship with the Kiss Army that was out there, and then of course to to generate more sales and merchandise and other things. And of course, I you know we go the extra mile here at uh, at PNR's this old marketing, and I had to I had to confirm that this was actually a thing. I couldn't figure out if this was actually a magazine or how they did it. So I had to go to the ultimate source, and I went to our creative director, Joe Kalinowski, and, and sent it over to him. I said, "Is this was this a magazine? And here's what we found. We found that, that the issue that Jeff sent us was not a Kiss magazine. That was a special issue from Grooves magazine. Now, well, oh. here's what we did find. We did find that uh, back in – I don't know when it started. I've got it. So if anybody knows, you can send me a note. But back in at least 1977 uh, – the Kiss Army, of course, was a thing, and you could join the Kiss Army, and they had this fantastic yes. newsletter that they sent out all on Kiss Army, the invasion of the Kiss Army, where you got inside information that was going on with Kiss and tour dates and inside information and all that kind of stuff. It's it's tremendous. So we'll make sure we put those in the, into the show notes, but basically – you could be a member of the Kiss Army all the way back. And, of course, what, 
what, what were they doing? They were building their list. They were building their audience right. list, charging for a little bit. You got a pin, you got a patch, you got all this other stuff. They're building their list, building an audience way back then. And of course, there was nobody better at selling merchandise than Kiss. They could sell it, and they had a they had a loyal uh, following, and they were they were going after this. So this is how they communicated with them with these newsletters ongoing. And I got a couple in front of them: the fall '77 that I'm looking at, and then winter '78. And of course, then I asked Joe. I said, "Well, is it still going on today?" And of course, he sends me the form that you can still get um, become a, a member of the Kiss Army. You can join online. Uh, of course, they are they are wonderful email marketers. You can get you can get updates ongoing about what's going on with Kiss. You can join the official fan club, uh, and they're still doing their thing. So it's been let's see, seventy seven. That's thirty uh, some years, right? Thirty. How many years is that? It's more than thirty, my friend. Yeah, that was just sad. Thirty eight yeah, years. Thirty eight yeah. years they've been doing this thing. So hats off. I think it's a great example of. Uh, yeah, not the magazine that Jeff sent us. Although that's you know that was a pretty good integration they did with the, with Grooves magazine on the special issue. But the newsletter uh, was fantastic, and it, it is our example this week of this whole marketing. So there you go. You know, it's funny. It's funny that some of the uh, you know when uh, having done some work here in Hollywood with with some of the music you know uh, industry out here. I can tell you that Kiss Army is held up as sort of the quintessential, sort of the poster child for a great, a great fan club. You know what 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 a fan club is supposed to be, um, and a great fan club, of course, is at the at its heart content marketing. Right, it is delivering value that is separate and discreet from the product. So, a wonderful example. And 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 by the way, no. They have never won a Grammy. They've been nominated once in 1999 for Psycho Circus for Best Hard Rock Performance, and they didn't win. So they have never won a Grammy Award. That is fascinating to me. I had no idea. And they're in the, they're in the Hall of Fame, of course. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I wonder, are they the only Hall of Fame inductee that has never won a Grammy Award? That would be a fascinating thing to look well, at. Well, I got to think that there's that, – but that would be – you'd think that would be a short list. That would be something to look at that hadn't won a major award. It's a major yeah, award. Well, they've won awards, yeah. Yeah, they've won awards, but they have and they won a People's Choice Awards. <laughs> they've won a MTV Music Video Award. Oh no, they were only nominated for that. They were only nominated for MTV Music Award. But they did win for People's Choice for Beth, which is a great song. Beth, I hear you call. I actually, you know, um, I just yeah. um, you know, Joe Kalinowski took me to a concert. Uh, uh, last Kisses last year, awesome. that's the first time I've ever seen them, and they're tremendous. Yeah, great and, show, uh, great show. All right, where are you ne- this week, Mister Polizzi? Where are uh, you? Well, I'm I'm taking a little bit of time off, actually. Oh, that's taking, right. You're I'm you're gonna go, writing writing. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. I'm doing some writing on the next book. I'm I'm also taking a little bit of a vacation time before we get into our hardcore March. March, which oh, yeah. I'm dreading a little bit with as much travel as you and I are doing. Oh, so, yeah, I'm going to take it. March is all red. My, my, my calendar for March is all take red, it. it's, which indicates travel. So, so are you going anywhere the rest of this week? or I am, actually, yes. I fly tomorrow to the lovely Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeehaw. Uh, to see some folks at an agency. I'm doing an agency workshop out there, and then I'm, go- I'm from there. I fly to the beautiful town of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, where I am going to see the lovely folks at the BMA and do a keynote nice. for their event. Uh, 
That's right. And hopefully get a couple of brats and some beer. Um, and then I'm home after that, home for the you weekend. you call it brats? Brats? Wait, brats. Bra- bra- brats? Is that how they say it in L.A.? What? Uh, I don't. They don't say it anymore. That's the thing. They don't. They, we don't. It's, I was it's thinking the, yeah, like two kids yeah, that were just rascals. The, yeah. <laughs> like what's up? Oh gosh. Hey, before you All close right. up, can I send a shout yeah. out to somebody? Of um, course you, you know, can. We, I just got this email. This is from Seth Price. Uh, I believe. Oh, yeah. Seth Price. I'm on his yeah, podcast. So I just in a wanted to weeks, read yeah. this, and it says you've inspired me to podcast. Said so, Joe, I hope you're having an awesome day. I've listened to every episode of this old marketing with you and Robert. Then for the last year, I've been pouring everything I've learned into business and marketing into a labor of love project called The Craft of Marketing Show. And he's in, unveiling this new podcast and needs a little bit of support. So just wanted to show a lot of love to Seth. Thank you for being whoop, a loyal whoop. listener. Set good luck with the podcast. And then you can find all of Seth's information at craftofmarketing.com slash kickstarter. He's running a Kickstarter program. As of right now, he's got half about half the funds covered. So if you like oh, wow. what Seth is doing, and by the way, he's doing upright. It's got uh, coffee mugs and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff that you can get if you donate a little bit of money. So I uh, just wanted to say, Seth, good job. Keep it up. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging around the ride with us. And uh, and for anyone out there that's interested, go check it out at craftofmarketing.com. Absolutely. Well, that is it, folks. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And you know... Tweet us up. We love, 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 love hearing from you. And, of course, we love all the show ideas, the stories that we get from you guys. And it is just a fantastic help for us because, quite frankly, it helps me from going from Google Alerts, which just blows. Okay, but if you've got a question... You can also send an email to this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 65, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links for all the show notes that we've got will be available at thisoldmarketing.com on the show post. And we do hope you'll turn in next week when we're going to hear Joe say, the direction said turn it how hot? Remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. show is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.